Diego Moyano, welcome to the ATP podcast. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Uh, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's uh, always a pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about your career. You were a very good player yourself. You played in the 1999 Roland Garros Championships, a singles career high of 130. Talk to me about uh, the matches you won, the matches you lost, and why you stopped playing tennis. Oh, well, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> actually, actually, love it, love it. The whole, the whole situation. My my career was a little like uh, not straightforward. Um, so the story. Um, started at 14 years old my parents in Argentina back in Argentina big uh, economy crisis um, they got in bankrupt so so I had to find ways to keep playing and my, my my always my dream was playing on the circuit playing on the ATP and and make my myself like the best player that I could possibly be and uh, so my coach at that time um, he said well you know what it's a there's a money circuit in France where you can actually play, improve and pay your bills if you want but you you have to go by yourself and do it and actually my parents they were in uh, in Bangrub like I say and then I decided to do it and uh, so what I did what I did was uh, travel to France arrived there and, and uh, uh, short story uh, I, I lived there for 16 years I did all my career. Uh, my career as a player, I did it from there. Um, all on your own, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, uh, I was from 14 years old. So that that was 14 years old, and uh, I started paying my bills by then. So then it was kind of I tried to pursue my dreams early on, 15, 16, and money issues. I couldn't pay. I mean, every time I was traveling to the satellites at that time, I was getting without money and, and alone and, and it was tough so kind of uh, I decided I, I had a, a tough moment at 17 18 where I stopped for a few months I was I was like really tired of, of that life I met my wife um, we uh, I come back to the circuit already after 11 months she come with me we start traveling um, but at, at that time I, I changed a little bit my approach I said, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna first improve myself before going full into the circuit. In what way did you improve? Uh, improve my my body. Uh, I needed to work. I mean, I was too young uh, to attack at that moment, like alone the circuit, and so I start um, uh, my body fill up, fill up uh, a lot more, work out properly uh, on the fitness. Uh, start winning more matches, improve my tennis, winning more matches, getting more money into my pocket to reinvest on on my career. That was uh, an error that I was doing. Uh, every every uh, penny that I was getting, uh, I, I was putting that that money into going to the satellites. So the satellite didn't go well. I ran out of money and so on and so on. So that that was a circle. I cut that circle, and I said, well, now when I have the money that I need to do it properly, I'm gonna replay on the circuit, and that's what I did. I started playing. I improved. Uh, I got the base in France. I, I live in several uh, places, but the idea was live there, uh, train, be closer to the tournaments, and and that's what I did. I started improving. Um, I did in France. I started like progressing on the ranking. That's make more money. And and uh, 1997. I decided to uh, 
hire a coach and, and pursue my, my, my ATP career. And at this point, you can afford a coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point, at that point I was ready to do it properly. Um, and then, and then, so basically, I start with, I think, no point. Okay. In September 1997, I went to Argentina, played satellite from the qualified, so four points. I won the satellite, and the Argentina Federation gave me a wild card on the biggest tournament in Argentina. Was at that time that uh, Ericsson Cup was 125. Five. That was a big at that time was a big, big uh, tournament. Big Is money. Is that in Buenos Aires? And, yeah, and I made final. I beat I beat like three three top hundred and I made final from no points. So immediately <laughs> I ran. I, I I I just went to 198, and from there I start kind of that. That was 20, 23, 24 years old, and and from there my career was uh, I I stayed a lot of year around 100 and, and 200, around there. I couldn't make the, the jump. I was 70 points away from, from top 100. And then play doubles as well. I mean, uh, at, at that time, was only doubles player. It was 140 or 150, I think. Uh, and um, so that, that was that was kind of, a, and I played a lot of, uh, a lot of good matches. Uh, that you mentioned, you mentioned Roland Garros. Uh, in Australia, uh, I lost the last round in qualis. With, uh, against Ag uh, Alex uh, Bogomolo after mm. beating after beating the the seed one, um, I had I had some up and down. So I have some 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 really good 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 matches. Uh, I beat on the on the uh, Argentina generation. I beat almost everyone at different times. Uh, Juan Ignacio Chela, Cañas, uh, Puerta. Wow. So I beat I beat almost. I say almost because I never beat Korea, I never beat Nalvaldi, but um, I had some some uh, decent result there. Um, I was playing a lot, so that was uh, that was a problem because I was losing also matches that I shouldn't because I was tired or or so on. And well, that's basically a little mm -hmm. bit my my as the, my career as a as a player. But I play a lot of matches, which uh, I'm traveling along, which uh, I didn't know at that time, but. Uh, it gave me an edge of my post career or my coaching career. You certainly had to grow up first, given what you went through. Um, now, obviously, there's ups and downs. You mentioned that, and the biggest down, I presume, for your playing career was that you had to stop with a back injury. Yeah, yeah. 31 years old. Um, I was feeling really well. I didn't want to stop, but but well, back injury uh, show up, and uh, after all the tests, I was like almost two months and a half without walking. I couldn't walk. Nobody knew how to get me out, and uh, I got an osteopath in Argentina back on the days that that actually did a good job, and uh, I could I could start playing. But after a year trying, every every after a few tough matches, my back was getting blocked, and, and I couldn't walk, and it was it was a, a hustle uh, like to keep playing. Uh, and I had to get surgery. I had to do a stop for a year, and I was 31 and two kids, uh, one uh, four years old and one just born. So I decided to. It was it was enough. Uh, it was enough on the on the on the circuit. And so, how did you make make the move to uh, coaching? Well, um, uh, so after after I stopped, I never I never really thought about my post career. I never prepared my post career, so um, I actually took. Took some time after I retired. I, I remember that I told my wife, "Well, next time that my back get blocked, we're gonna, uh, I gonna stop." And so 
that happened. We, I closed my, uh, my apartment, my house for three days. I was my family and me and doing nothing, just, just thinking until I decided to, to stop. And well, now is now thinking about my post career, what I want to do. I want to stay close to the tennis. I want to do a different way. I always, I'm, I'm a big uh, sport guy. So, so I, it, it was impossible for me not to be close to the sport, the tennis. And so I said, well, the coaching, but now which part of coaching? Because you can, you can, you can be a professional. I mean, working with professional players, we can do, you can have a, a tennis school, you can have an academy, you can have so many things that you can do with the tennis. So I decided to give a try, and and I'm I'm a type of guy that when I do something I do it at, at one thousand percent. So I cannot do it halfway. <laughs> so so when I decided that, I start my preparation. So my that's I always tell the the young the young coaches say the the most important thing is prepare yourself, prepare in, in every aspect, not just forehand and backhand, it's prepare, the communication, uh, the uh, understand the body, the strength conditioning, understand the, the physiology, everything. You can never know enough. Uh, uh, no, no, it's always, and, and, and it's something that always is progressing in certain areas. So the tennis that we knew uh, five years ago, now is different, in different, different areas. So. So you start my preparation and my first my first job was a pretty pretty nice job at that time with Guillermo Coria, number five in the world at that time. <laughs> That's and a good first assignment. Yeah, how did yeah, you meet yeah. him or how did you know? Well, we come from the same city, a small city in the middle of Argentina. And so I'm older than him and uh, so I was already in the circuit when he kind of uh, step up and and get out. He got out from juniors, start playing uh, pro. So we we build a a, a very good relation. Uh, and so I stopped, and uh, I was playing pretty well at that time. I was fit, so he needed somebody uh, to fill up. Uh, uh, I mean, um, at that time he was working with Joseph Perlas. Okay, and uh, and it was it was a. a Kind of a moment where uh, he was alone in Argentina because Perlas was not going there, and Guillermo didn't want to travel to Barcelona. So, so kind of, I I come on the team to help to on the on that bridge. If and we, you if didn't we mind the travel? No, no, no. At that time, I I knew I knew that I have to pay my uh, my the price of of being new and my preparation. And uh, so I travel. Uh, so we start doing that preseason. I stop in in uh, stop in September, and in November we start wow. preseason <laughs> preseason there with with Guillermo Coria. It wasn't like full time, but the preseason yes. But then traveling, for example, I didn't come to Australia. She also come. Then they stop. After Australia, they stop. Um, I coach him a little bit, couple of weeks, uh, and then I. I sat down with him and I said, Guillermo, you need a coach. I'm I'm new on that. You're number five in the world. You need somebody with a lot of experience um, that actually can uh, coach you, and I can learn from it from from that situation because I'm new. Mm. Even if I play well, I I've been 20 years on the circuit. I need I uh, I mean it's, it's it's a different yes. coaching and coaching top ten is a different area. Like I said, you need the preparation. So. So he actually did a good move, and he um, he hired Jose Gueras. Yes, one of the he's, best. Well, he's my mentor. Oh. Uh, I work with him 
we did after that we we stick almost together we're very good friends and uh, like i say it's, it's, it's my mentor um Great we, we work in korea uh, exactly. and many many others exactly and then and then we work together a little bit uh with uh um, with robbie ginepri mm -hmm. And then he was my boss, basically, at the USTA for 10 years. Very good. Uh, yes, when you bring that up. So you were the USTA player development lead national coach. I actually know Robbie because Robbie's from Atlanta, Georgia, where I lived for 18 years. Exactly. And at, so I coached time, Robbie for two years. And he was top 20, I think a career high of 14. 14, Which yeah. is in incredible. Yeah. Um, so what did you learn from your time at USTA player development and how did you get the job? So, well... Um, at that time, I was I was actually with Robbie, and uh, we were like kind of stopping a little bit. Nothing. Not, I mean, we have a great relation, but he was in a moment where uh, where he uh, he was a little older, and he didn't know how much he's gonna play, and 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 he was dealing with certain things. And so I said, look, I go with you to the U.S. Open, and then and then we stop there, and and eventually, if you need me in the future, with and so that's what we did and um come back to argentina uh and then then i received a call from from jose Guerras, and then i sat down with patrick McEnroe. uh that, that was 2008 but but it wasn't it wasn't really my my time so i waited a little bit and we keep we kept talking 2009 we we said um it was a moment where the usta was looking for to develop actually the the American the, the American player profile like yes. like also I mean go in really into the developmental part of of the tennis uh, so it was very interesting for me because I wanted to I was coaching all all if you want uh, like older guys and I wanted to have that um, I always say that to best the best coach that you can be you need to be able to do everything so so you need to be able to coach professional players but you need to be able to transition players get the juniors have the 14 years old i mean do do all the coaching job because uh, teaching is not the same thing that coaching and coaching older guys coaching women I mean, you need to to be the best coach that you can be you need to go through different uh aspect of of the coaching career a lot of coaches start say like you with Guillermo Coria but they actually don't know about teaching the basic fundamentals do they to the under 10 player or or exactly. the lady who plays at the country club and you learn a wealth of knowledge from that exactly uh, not only uh, you, you will say so there's a lot of things that you uh, but is the is the communication skill that also get better many many coaches they don't uh they don't see that part when you when you have to communicate with a little kid that is 11 12 years old you have to improve you have to improve your communication skill you have to communicate you have to understand how to deal with uh, with a 12 years old boy or a 12 years old girl you need to understand how to deal with uh, an adult and on on the women's league yeah you need to deal with a lot of things that that actually um uh, it, it get it makes you better a uh, better coaching uh so some, sometimes you say well what what is completely different to do this and to do that why why are you gonna do that if i want to coach a professional player well there's a ton of things that that um that is gonna provide uh information and knowledge to actually keep getting better and uh so i i like the project um 
I we decided with my family to move to US. Okay. Uh, and and then in, and in then Flo Florida? in Florida, Boca Raton. That, that was that was the, the not job. a bad place to live. No, not <laughs> a bad place. I love actually. I love. I still I still living there, and uh, so I start as a lead national coach on the on the uh, men and women. So both. I was doing both. At that time, it was a. Uh, 16 years old uh, when they were like 14, 15, 16 it was that generation on the woman's side it was like Sloan Steven, Madison Keys, Lauren Davis, there were a lot of uh, Christina McHale, there were a lot of really good girls and they kind of um, on the men's side it was nothing and on the woman's side it was pretty pretty good, pretty aligned everything so so I started um, I, I have to say uh, I really the, my my bosses at that time, Jay Berger was the men of, uh, yes. of of men's tennis. Jose Guerra was the director of coaching, and Patrick Macro was the manager. They really backed me up because I I, I like took took uh, took it really personal in terms of how uh, how to do and say, well, we are in the United States. It's not possible that we cannot uh, we cannot like have all the prospect together. That was my my uh, coming from France. And have a, a, a lot of respect from the uh, French school. I knew that one of the secrets was like, okay, start, start finding the best prospect on every age, and get it together, and training, and and going with them to the tournaments, and start coaching. So I start doing that, and start with the college. So I was. Uh, the first two years I traveled like crazy <laughs> and Jay, Jay Berger was like, Diego, you're going to burn out. And I said, no, 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 I don't, I don't. And actually I did. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm mom and I said, Jay, I cannot travel anymore. Because I was doing the, uh, I was trying to get the best college player at that time were actually the generation of college really were good. really good. It yeah. was like Steve Johnson, Bradley Klan, Austin Krakicek, um, Ryan Williams. I mean, like, uh, I don't want to, uh, Tennis Sangren. The really good college players. So I, we started doing camps with them. Um, Steve Johnson, I remember we always joke. Uh, he was throwing up on the. On the <laughs> I, I I made a camp at the on Florida, so he was coming from California. Yeah, because he was at USC, I think. And come come to come to the camp first day. I got I got them on the on the clay court. I mean, going uh, with double up. So going in the morning, afternoon. In afternoon, he was throwing up. <laughs> we always laugh. Uh, so that that was that was that. And then the juniors, we started like having having the juniors at that time. It was like like I say. Um, so na those are 1989, 1991. The ninety two, they were uh, Jack Sock, Ryan Harrison, Dennis Kula, uh, Jordan Cox at that time. So. Um, so they were, they were they were a good group there, and we start from there building. So I have to go to every junior tournament, the '95, uh, Ty Kwiatkowski, uh, Mackie McDonald, um, and and Spencer Marcus Papa. They were they were probably. a lot. Yeah. And then we have the '96, Jared Donaldson, Ernesto Covedo. So the '96, the '97, and then and then when we saw the kind of when we saw the big picture uh the 97s they were, they were that that generation was a l i mean a lot of potential and the 98 so my assignment was like immediately like going into the 97 98 and i had the 92s as well so i was doing the 92 that they were older and then uh the 97 98 um kind of started because they were 12 13 so i was i was like and who is that the 92 the 97 98 say well riley opelka tommy paul uh, William Blomberg, Francis Tiafo, uh, Michael Moore, 
um, Taylor Fritz. Uh, actually, actually, it was incre oh, incredible. <laughs> I mean, one one of the story was Taylor Fritz. I was doing, I start preparing um, playoff. So we start we start having futures in Florida, uh, like uh, like twenty miles around uh, the center, and uh, and I have 15, I have sixteen players. And Taylor Fritz at that time thirteen. Uh, it wasn't the best in the country. So so I. Uh, I had 16 players invited and somebody dropped. So so I have 15 and Ken Kinnear, now is a, the head of men's tennis. Uh, at that time he was working with the 12, 13 and he comes and he said, Diego, uh, I was mentioning that I, I needed one more player. And he said, there's a, there's a kid that is played pretty well. The mom was a former top, is a former top 10 and the dad actually a good player, uh, tall, both, both good body, uh, Name is Taylor Free. I said, perfect. So I send the invitation right away and I receive Taylor um, coming. And uh, the funny stuff, I mean, that, that was already incredible that that comes to. And we immediately click with all the kids that really, really click. And, um, and Taylor comes, I mean, not moving really well, not, never play on clay, but incredible timing. Technique, serve technique at. at 14 years old is not easy to find and then incredible timing and uh so the first the first day he come from from california he practiced with henry wilhelm at that time henry was number one in the kind of in the country and uh, i had to separate because they couldn't they couldn't keep up together okay taylor fritz is just not good enough not good enough three weeks after that he beat on a playoff uh henry was that that shows how much Taylor uh, minds works uh, since then. I mean, he, he, he kept he kept going and going and going and improving and improving. He's got a very high tennis and, IQ, hasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but but again, that generation. I mean, I'm forgetting Stefan Kozlo, um, uh, Alex Rybakov. So there are a lot of good, really good kids that they were playing. I have I have still have the the, the draw <laughs> on those playoffs, and because I I was we were doing the playoff, we're practicing. Yes, and I was taking the van and going with them to the tournaments. And we spent years, well, I, I actually spent eight years with Tommy Paul, seven years I have with, with Riley Opelka, four years I have with Taylor Fritz, four years uh, with, with Francis Tiafo and Alex Ryback, same thing, like four, five years with mm. all of them. So from that under 14 program, you can almost tick the ones that have made it into the top 50. Oh, we have, I, I mean, <laughs> we have, um, um, I, the Kalamazoo 16. Yes. Uh, uh, on 16 on 2013, I think. Uh, I, I mean, I. The story was, uh, we were trying to get a group to go to Europe and to travel. So, in US, it's very common, and in around the world, all the parents. They don't want to. They, no, my kid is better than his age. I want them to play 18. So everybody wants to play 18. I say no. I'm not paying. If you play 18 and you're not winning 18, I'm not paying for your trip. No, but but what if you do eight, uh, a round of 16? Round of 16 and 18. I prefer you to play for the title in 16. So I say you guys. I made it clear with all the parents and all the kids. If you want to have a shot for the UCA to pay, the uh, you have to play your age. And actually, we had, and if you look at 2013 under 16, yeah. if you look at the, the, the draw, well, the, all 
the whole draw was almost there. And that's Kalamazoo, which is in America. It's the national championship. It's a national championship. It's a national hardcore. So, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. And 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 well, we build a, a, a strong relation with all of them. And uh, so that that's uh, with again, the '97, '98 was a, a we can say a, kind of a golden generation. But uh, but the '95, the good players. '92, there were yes. some good players. The college. But there was some criticism, having lived in the United States for so long, The after the Sampras Agassi generation, you know, there was a, a bit of a dearth, wasn't there, of American players, and uh, tennis media was sort of thinking, what's happening next? And I remember Patrick saying, Patrick McEnroe saying, they're coming, they're coming, just be patient. And then you, it sounds like it was completely responsible for this whole wave of American men coming through who are now just exceptional well yeah yeah i mean uh, it took it took uh it takes when when you have a hole like that it takes to build something like that in every federation in every country it takes eight to ten years mm. you, you can i mean when you have a hole like this and and um even if the private sector work good i mean every 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 sector every the private sector the federation they you deal with different problems right to build to build something like that, where where it's not only two or three players, to build something like is consistent, it takes eight or ten years. You mm. have to go to every place. We we did at the USTA one thing that actually um, we did uh, really good. Um, it was when we started the process. We said we need to identify. We need to go hard on the player ID. So we need to identify every single prospect that could potentially make top 100. And are you looking at um, uh, size, ability, desire, all that stuff? Not not just oh, the players that no, are the best. No. So so actually time. actually we were clear. I mean there there was a, lo- a lot of knowledge uh, actually I, I'm I'm very thankful because of my career about talking about the preparation uh, having those 10 years with Jose Guerras, with Patrick Macaro, with Jay Berger, with uh, with uh, Tom Gullickson, mm. with Katy Rinaldi, with uh, with Jorge Todero. There, there were a lot, I mean, Nicolas Todero. There were a lot of Mark Kovacs, uh, Ken Kinnear. There were a lot of knowledge, and we were like Andy Brandy. Oh, yes. Um, we, we, we had a, such a great moment of... of um, Talking about tennis, but after afterwards, Stanford Buster, Brad Stein joined the, the team, so it was was great. So, so it was when we were talking about the kids. Actually, the last thing that we were were thinking about the result, we, we didn't care about the. Uh, You're obviously, the, purely at potential. Oh, obviously, you need to look because that that shows a little bit the, the how competitive are the kids and how they think and how they compete. But it was it wasn't the most important. The whole thing. Um, of the the process, and um, and and that that was that was great. So identify all the kids. We we uh, the first thing that we did was um, kind of cut the country in twenty two pieces. So we we create twenty two RTCs, uh, regional center. Then we we thought that twenty two was too much, and and so we went to fifteen, and then we went to seventeen. And then we come back to sixteen, and then we were kind of, kind of, we try to see, okay, well, well, and and that's how we discover. Um, so at that time, and and again, um, I think we can talk more about what I think the federation job is and how, uh, together with the private sector. But that's how we uh, we kind of discover. Uh, Jason Brooksby, yep. and we have because you have always IMG Academy, you have. Uh, all the all the big academies you you know, but 
But if you're there, not part of that, exactly. You can but get there's lost. certain private coaches yeah. that really are really good, are working good. But you have to go and see the kid. They're working with the kid that is 12, 13. How you can help that coach that is working, that is working the whole day to make money to live, and he has to. Um, kind of develop this kid that is a potential number 10 in the world. Give so, that child enough hours. Exactly. So that, then you have to go there, identify, and try to see how you, the best way to help. And so actually I'm very proud, I can say, about about the job that USTA uh, or, or the team did on that regard. I think I think that was that was the key. I mean, uh, you mentioned the pathway. Yes, it was, it was, I think it was very well done. Uh, the whole team, strength conditioning, physios, uh, everybody. Um, we really, uh, we, di- we didn't do the extra mile. We did a lot of extra miles. Uh, we travel um, years. I traveled more than 35 weeks. So I, I was like seeing my family, barely <laughs> seeing my family. But but I was really involved in, in, this, in this generation and try to make it happen. And, um, and well, but on on the other part, I think one of the main job was that that talent idea. I think I think that was that was very very well done, and and actually, again going back to the preparation, that talent idea going to the regional camps, training the kids that are 12, 13, talking with the coaches, really good coaches that maybe they don't they don't coach. Uh, they don't coach on the pro tour, but they they really good coaches on the, the developmental side, and uh, and uh, I, I always say I think when you look at the player, um, actually the media's they they always mention the coach that is here and he takes the or or she takes the whole credit about on on that, and I feel yeah, it, it is it, it it has the impact, but what about the coach? that actually developed this kid at eight years old, at 12 years old, at 15 years old. I was talking with a, with a great coach um, back, back in the days, and, and he was saying something, something very, very, very true. I said, the whole process is important on a, on a tennis career. Uh, the whole process. The coach, um, no, not because you coach somebody at 14, 15, and then, and then you work for three years, he you guys split and he find another coach. N- not because that happened, your job is not important. Your job maybe is huge, mm-hmm. is, is very important. But well, that's where all the fundamentals get, get baked in, don't they? I was, I, was, I was coaching for two years and a half, Kevin Anderson, and we had, uh, for example, Neville Goldwyn spent four years with him before. And you could see that many things his dad did a great job with Kevin. Then he has some coaches before, and then and then he has Neville Goldwyn for four years. That he, uh, we were like sometimes some coaches they they have to fight a battle, tough battle to get the player wherever, and then the player once he's there, the players start like running. They start to understand yeah, exactly, but but some coaches. So um, it's very interesting. Some many many times the the developmental coaches they don't have that that uh, credit. Yes, they they deserve. I think I think, uh, I mean, if you, oh, on the ideal world, uh, every time that the player is is on quarterfinal of the slams, it will be nice to kind of go back to a little bit like three, four coaches that that made a little bit that 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 player. I think the commentators try to do that and try to find the way back because those 
you're right, when they're eight or ten, there's the people that have done the work then and probably haven't been paid for it massively, but have gone to all the tournaments, spent all the time. Yeah. I had actually, um, a former coach of mine was Ian Hughes, who's now working with Magdalenette and has worked with Belinda Bencic Correct. on many, many others. Well, he slept in my mother's, uh, the boot of her car. We had an estate car and he used to travel with me, but you know, there wasn't any money. So I'm under 16, one of the best in the UK, and he's actually sleeping in my mum's boot yeah. in, the, in the trunk yeah. of her car. That's the extent he went to. And there's so many stories uh, like that. Yeah, so many, so many. That's, that's the thing. See, when, we, when I go back to this and we talk about the Italian ID and the process of the 12, 13 years old, the Riley Opelka at 12 or the Tommy Paul at 12, I mean... Um, I see Tommy serving great. I mean, we have to go through. We changed the forehand. We changed the, the serve. We went over every single piece of the other uh, tailor. I mean, the mo the the movement part, teaching him to <laughs> to uh, move better, to choose the ratio. Um, you know, like there's so many things that you spend years and years because it's not easy. Um, everybody's like yeah well he need to do that he need to uh, that he need to improve this yeah yeah but there are only it 13, takes so 14, much time years. it takes so yeah. much time even at, even now 18 19 it takes so much time to to keep moving because you can you can they can process certain amount of information so it's not like you is there're no computers so it's not like you put the information and that's it no you have to like uh, select the information keep going the information and some and they and then the players they have their own time to process that information and of course it's one thing to do it in practice but it's completely another to do it in a pressure situation in a match where hundreds of thousands of people are watching you 100 the other day i i had a we were talking with riley we we still we're very good friends with all of them and um so then we were talking i said remember riley was like remember the 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 days that i w i used to hate europe <laughs> And, hate and, Europe and as a I, whole. No, no, he he used to, and okay. now now I cannot get enough. And that that's another another example that I was, the kids they couldn't. Uh, we arrived in Europe and they were like hating every day because they, no different the food, food is different, yeah. different thing. I, we don't understand the the language, and I was I had to go. We were in Spain and we we went to go the tapas and a different restaurant I, and I sat down with the, with them and we go the, the the prosciutto all kind of prosciutto and we went to France and I, I teach them all the food and all the things and we went to Italy and the pasta and this <laughs> and how they and, and, and it was a process it was a process and now now you could see it, it makes me so happy to see Taylor Fritz and Tommy Paul they spend or Francis even Francis they spend uh, last year and the year before they spend. They went directly from French Open to to UK to play on grass, and they spent three, four months without without coming back. And Riley's telling me that is is like kind of. It's, it's very nice to see that 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 the kids the transformation they're from from. Uh, I cannot go to Europe to. I cannot get enough of Europe. Pretty much a narrow view to a hugely widely group. And we know that uh, Riley Apelka loves to go to the galleries, doesn't he? A big yeah. art connoisseur no, now. That, that's another thing. That's another part of the transformation. And now, <laughs> now he's big on, on art and, and, yeah, 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 on fashion, art. I mean, this is, uh, the, kid, the kids are developing and, and same, same with all of them. We hear a lot about from coaches how they're trying to uh, make the player well-rounded because a well-rounded player is a well-rounded person. And the person and the player go... Hand in hand, hundred percent, hundred percent. You, I, I, I'm a big believer that you cannot, um, the to to be the best player that you can be, you need to be a, like you say, a well-rounded uh, 
like like person. Mm. You, you need you need to be you need to have uh, knowledge of the world that is uh, you surround you. I mean, it's not possible. You need you need to be able to to think to see the people around you. To, I mean, I'm I'm a big believer. Even if we on the tennis side we live in a bubble because we have to do it. You you. Your mind has to be focused. I mean, you, I understand that, but beside that, you have to get as close as you can from a normal life. This is my this is my philosophy. So, um, so having having a normal life, having friends, having boyfriend, uh, girlfriend, whatever, whatever makes you happy, then you have to obviously you have to sacrifice certain things. Uh, like we go, we can go over. Yeah, well, uh, I want a, a girlfriend, but but I cannot. I traveling thirty weeks per year. Well, that's another problem that we're mm. gonna we're <laughs> gonna have to deal with. But but if you have the chance to do it, just just experiment. Go go on the and then you know and 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 that's uh, same with the art, with the galleries, the fashion. The uh, what, what is your passion? Just just use the tennis to transport you to kind of achieve your 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 goals. That you could have outside the tennis. I mean, like the the, the enjoy the real the, the really nice things that the life can can provide you. Because I think tennis is quite insular, isn't it? Like you said, it's easy to get into a bubble. But if you actually look forward to traveling, to going to see something that you haven't seen, because it's awfully easy at tennis tournaments just to be around the players' area, go back to the hotel, come back to practice, and that kind of life can get pretty overwhelming pretty soon, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. So I encourage them to read, mm. uh, play instrument. Um, so if if they can't play instrument, well, Kevin Kevin used to travel with with the with the guitar. Uh, but but do do things that they really find ways to uh, like leave things that you you really could enjoy. Yes. Uh, go to the concert, uh, sport, um, like like we talk. I mean, la- last year I I do it myself. I mean, I I'm big fan of Real Madrid. Last year in Madrid, <laughs> I I could play the I could go watch the semifinal of the the uh, Champions League and then the final in Paris. So so uh, that's something that that I think the coaches has to encourage the players to mm. to actually do the be the closest as the normal life or enjoy what whatever. The, those city that you, we go in, or the countries, can provide you. Um, and Kevin Anderson was a very intelligent guy as well. He always came across like that, and graduated from a U.S. college. So when did you start working with him? Well, I as soon I um, I uh, left the USTA, so I, I I went I stayed ten years at the USTA, and 2019 I uh, I stopped, and he called me. Um, so we had a, we had a meeting, and uh, so I, I actually I asked him I, I asked all all the players that when I started well, why me, and um, and we were talking, and and he asked me the same question. And he <laughs> said, "Well, why me? Why as a coach you gonna?" So well, uh, look, you you are a very smart guy, very professional, why one of the most professional guys that this is playing on the circuit. And I would like to learn from your eyes. I would like to see things the way that you see things, and 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 see how professional you are, and 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 push myself to go that way. It was a brief, and then and then we end up uh, we 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 have a really good relation, and uh, and actually I I improve as a as coach. Uh, I improve a lot working working with him. 
Yeah, he seemed like a terrific guy. And then now you've moved on to the um, WTA tour. Is this the first female in Coco Golf that you've taught one-on-one as at the top level? Yes, yes. One-on-one, yes. Uh, I decided I never coached a, a female um, in, my, in my coaching career. I mean, after the time that I told you about, uh, I mentioned about started with men's and women at the yes, UCA. Yes, Sloane Stevens like, and Lauren Davis and Madison Keys. Correct. Well, uh, the last, in 2019, when, when I started, I started working with, with Ayla Tomjanovic as a part-time, kind of helping her um, when I was in Boca. And then, uh, and then last year, I, uh, not last year, was 2021, I was with Kevin and helping Sloane and Ayla. So it was a... That's a lot of work. A, a lot of work, a lot of work. <laughs> Actually, last year, I had all three. It didn't go well, but but it was a lot of work. And um, But a one-on-one, yes. In, in March, uh, I decided kind of to start with Coco uh, um, to kind of a great challenge, uh, I think. I think that was a, a great uh, project for, for me. And, and she wanted to to work with me so so kind of it fits well and I did I decided that uh, going on to into the WTA with, with Coco and, and actually here we are it's a big difference though isn't it between coaching men and coaching women I mean it's easy to say that but uh, there are emotional differences I could say that as a woman uh, how do you combat that and oh, have it's you got used to it it's fascinating uh, the see the difference and again it's, it's go, going also uh, back on the preparation and the communication is is totally you have some communalities <laughs> and some uh, uh, and many differences uh one is the emotions yeah they men and women they deal completely different with the emotions the way that you communicate it has to be different completely different uh the I mean, we can go over and over. I mean, <laughs> we can go on and on with with. This, uh, but it's, it's fascinating. I mean, the kids talking with kids. Actually, I have a daughter that is seventeen years old. That helps and, probably. Oh, that helped me. I mean, I have a son that is twenty-one, and a daughter that is seventeen, and that helped me a ton. I mean, back on the days when I was coaching the ninety-seven, ninety-eight, and all the social media star, coaching them, was helping me to be a better. Or, or better father because I was understanding they were older than 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 my son and my daughter so it was like helping that, that was helping me to understand my my kids and now it's kind of a little bit the inverse going through that is helping me to understand uh, uh, Coco I mean Coco and, and my daughter they have a lot of things that they're like very very like <laughs> similar so it's like um, the social media, the way that they deal with the social media, they're identical. Is your daughter into TikTok as much as Coco uh, yeah, is? Yeah, 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 yeah. She, she, they, they, they are. And, and uh, they are. Coco and said they... you're a good dancer and you like to be on no, no, TikTok. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like, no, I like, I like to dance. I, I like to dance. I like a lot to dance, but I don't, I don't dance. Have you got the loose I'm hips? Not, you're Argentinian <laughs> no. after all. I'm trying, I'm trying, but it's, it's tough, it's tough. <laughs> it's funny that she say that because she always, we always joke internally, but uh, she say that. I, um, I, I couldn't stop laughing about that. That is really good. But, uh, but yeah, that's uh, so. So that's uh, very, very interesting on on the differences. Yeah. 
Well, uh, you've done certainly so much good work, Diego. It's uh, been wonderful to chat with you. I think I could talk with you for about three or four hours more. You've probably got so much more information, but uh, perhaps we'll do it again. But for now, I will say a very heartfelt thank you from the HP podcast. And uh, let's talk again in about 12 months' time and see how you get Yeah, on. that would be awesome. Thank <laughs> you thank you so much for, for having me. I really love to talk about tennis and, and go over stories and, and kind of tennis information. So that, that was a pleasure. Thank you so much.